Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lads and lasses, people with glasses, not excluding anybody in this, welcome along to the Macam Football Show. As you can see, if you're watching this live, we have David the Doofus. Anthem, hello. Hello. Anthem Macam, hello. Brad from RWE, I'm trying to point effectively, who's coming on camera. Hello, Brad. Evening. Evening. And, Evening. Oh, <laughs> it's so dark. <laughs> and... Jacob, aka Yorkshire Mackham, in the bottom right. Good evening. Good evening. We've got a couple of things to talk about this uh, this fine evening, haven't we? It's why not? It's very spooky. Your camera, Brad. I'm not gonna lie. It looks like you you're telling a ghost story at a campfire. <laughs> um, what happened over the weekend? Was it the weekend now? Oh my god, what with that, with that, with that, with that. I'll let you catch up. So we did the we did the Sheffield Wednesday game. Now then we did the next back and football show, and then since then we've played the Watford game, the 2-0 win at the Stadium of Light. So we've only need to talk about the the, the Watford game today. We're all caught up beyond that. Dean, welcome along in the chat. It's been a long week. There you go, look at that. I can actually see you now, Brad. How you doing? Not bad, not bad. So I think we've all seen a lot of reactions from other YouTubers and and Red Red X with um with all of the the fans' reactions to that game. There's a general general consensus of how that game went. But um, in your words, Brad, how did you think that um that Watford result reflected this current Sunderland squad? Again, um. Obviously, we're off to a really, really good start of the season. Obviously, the two, two, one defeats. I think it was um, against Ipswich at the start of the season, and um, mm -hmm. second game, um, the road. I think it was against. Um, trying to think who we played on the road. I can't remember who we played on the road. Who was we play on the road? I'm trying to think. Um, when, when we lost, Preston. Second game of the season. Preston. Yeah, when we lost two one, Preston. That's it. When we lost two one against Preston. Um, but. Um, after that, this was just um been amazing. Um, the likes of obviously Jack Clark, um, well deserved player of the month. By the way, I did mention it on my podcast last night. Um, he went. Um, he does deserve player of the month, and obviously mm. got goal of the month as well. So, um, yeah. And but talk about Wednesday night. Yeah, this is our point. Um, Neil Huggins, really good goal. Um, mm. I think he swore past four defenders and. Really took his shot really well, um, to make it one 0 Sunderland. Um, then the second goal from Abdullah was just even more class. Um, even though it was just like a short, like a short kind of header, but I don't know how on earth he leaped left high. I think he was on like about eight foot off the ground. What we mentioned last night, Amph. yeah. Um, I don't know how he, he, he done it. He doubled his height, jump leaping for that. Yeah. Brilliant goal from um, Abdullah Bar as well to make it 2 0 there on the stretch. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, um, extremely happy got three points um, in the bag. Move on to tomorrow's game against Middlesbrough. I mean, we're, we're literally three minutes into the podcast. We're not moving that quickly onto the Berwick game. <laughs> we do need to talk about it a little bit more. I want to get um, Jacob's thoughts on the, um, on the Watford game as well. If you don't mind, what do you what did you think to uh, that performance, Jacob? Um, it was an ugly win, mind you. Um, I think first half we weren't too great, mm. um, and neither were Watford, if I'm being honest. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, but it was good. It was a good time for, for Huggins to score towards the end of first half because I think it gave a bit of confidence in the team, a bit of a boost, and. I think behind in the dressing room, I think Mowbray is like, no, let's let's do better than that. Let's get out of more and get into second gear, mm -hmm. which I believe we did in the second half. And then we had Bar's goal, which is a beautiful header. Keeper's like six foot two, isn't he? He's quite a tall keeper, and mm. little little Abdullah Bar just beats him, doesn't he? And mm -hmm. you know, and what some of Watford's challenges. They should have had more than one red card or at least a yellow because they were getting away with some dirty challenges and I think ref could have been better to be honest. But 
It's the three points at the end of the day. No matter how you do performance-wise, it's the three points. Yeah, um, I I agree with that. I I didn't really pick up in my game review video much about the referee's performance in that game. Um, and it is something we can we can whinge about essentially in this podcast as Ball, well. Birmingham City three, West Brom one. I was about to subtly break into. <laughs> That's all good. Um, yeah, that that means the team directly below us drop points again. So the, there is a gap for us something to build on tomorrow before the rest of the games. So really good, really good result for Sunderland. Um, as we're kicking on, David. I'm not sure how much of you uh, caught up with the Sunderland game on. Was it Wednesday? Now was it Wednesday? Wednesday. Half. Yeah, and then you went to bed, didn't you? No, no, went to bed because I was knackered. Yeah. Um. What What minute did you watch up to? Oh God, I can't remember. So, of the game that you remember watching, what was your thoughts on it? Um. Uh. Watford were being very, um, let's say aggressive. Yeah. Um. I felt like they were. They probably should have got a lot more uh, yellows than they had. Um. As Jacob said, I think they were quite lucky to not get more than one player sent off. Um, I didn't see the goals, so I can't really say much on them. But yeah, yeah I was pretty, pretty happy with how you're playing. Yeah. Um, cool. I'll, I'll use that as a good synopsis. I'll catch up with everybody on the chat as well. Dean says, we need to up the tempo against the Smoggies. We'll talk about the Smoggies game in a couple of weeks. Abby, hello. And um, <laughs> Paul Grimson, Ball was like Billy the Fish when he scored. It he literally le leaped double his height into the air to get that in front of the keeper's clapping uh, hands. It was a really good second goal. Uh, for me, I think the game was very pedestrian. Uh, we were slow, we were sluggish, and the goal was a moment of brilliance from one player. Um, it was against the runner player. I don't think any team should have went into half-time with anything from that game. It was... I think kind of case in point as to why you went to bed, mate. Uh, <laughs> there's, there wasn't much happening. It didn't look like there was anything going to happen for that entire first half. And like Paul, uh, not Paul says, like Dean says in that chat, we need to up the tempo. That was so sluggish. I don't know if it's because it is like so frequent between our other games, having a Sunday game and a Wednesday game, and now another Saturday game. We seem to have like the shortest gap between most of our games compared to the rest of the league. Yeah, it's only an extra six hours, but or three hours in in some cases. But time matters, rest matters, right? So the fact that we are still playing in games where we are sluggish, where we are a little bit off the off the beat, and picking up all three points for me is is miles more important than the games where we smashing an opposition from minute one, i.e. the Southampton game. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Beating Southampton that comfortably was quality to see, but it it doesn't matter at the end of the day as long as you get the one goal in the back of the net. That's all. That, that's all that really matters. That's the one stat that everybody needs to um to, to keep a check on. It's it's really not not upsetting, but it's more like concerning, so I say, around where will goals are coming from. Uh, I think I saw a stat and I reposted it on X about 16 games. Was it you that showed me that, Darv? David, sorry. It was like 16 games without a striker. Yeah, six, six, um, 29 goals in, or 20, 29 goals in 16 on, games without a striker. I'm it. Our last scorer, our last striker who scored was um, Gelhart in April. It's been months and months since a out and out striker a forward a centre forward has scored for Sunderland and the fact that we're fourth 19 points 12 goal difference just shows that <laughs> the striker's job at our club is is kind of on the back burner we don't really need it have you got have you found it why did I where did I send it it was on Twitter X I think or was it like you did you, res did you respond to mine? Mm. I can't remember. I know you were involved Possibly. in the conversation. I know Hang you were involved. I know you were involved in the conversation. 
check my replies. Oh yeah, there we go. Twenty nine goals in sixteen games without a striker. And what did you? Reply? That's more than the bottom five Premier League teams have combined so far this season. They, they... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's just a sign of utter confidence and, and ability in our squad. Um, Latifel. Uh, sorry, I'm, while we're while we're playing this game, the uh, the final moments of the Birmingham West Brom game are happening, and uh, the Baggies player just pushed the Brummy player in the back because he wasn't allowing all out. But yeah, need to talk about Sunderland really. So, what's your thoughts on the um, striker situation, Brad? I'll go to you. Yeah, striker situation at this moment in time. Um, obviously, what. The stats just came up. Um, yeah, well, obviously Mason Burstos came in um, in the summer transfer window. Um, he hasn't provided a goal yet for us, but hopefully I can prove myself wrong. I hope he scores a goal tomorrow. But hmm. um, Nasri and Roussian as well. Um, he'll be looking to get some minutes under his belt eventually. Um, Lewis Hamia. Um, don't know much about him. Haven't seen him play as much because um he's only came off the bench for like seven eight minutes each game or so. So I can't really judge by if he's a good striker or not. But Lucien, I can tell because he's came off the bench for a good twenty five minutes half an hour. Um, and Meander, as well. And yes, Eliza Meander. Um, I don't know about either because obviously he's been out injured, but. Apparently he's come back after getting a national break. Well, I've heard, but apparently what he needs to do is first is get some under twenty one games, get his match fitness back up before he starts. Obviously for the first team. Yeah. 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 Um, with four strikers or four out and out named forwards, do you find it surprising that there's only one spot for them? Yeah. Um. Two minutes. I've just guessed two no worries. Acacia, welcome along. David, if you had four... Well, we've got three fit strikers. If you had four four all fit and running, up and running, what formation would you typically expect to see from a squad? Um, maybe a 4-4-2, four, 4-3-3 four, four, three, three maybe. Mm -hmm. I think for Sunderland, probably a 4-4-2. Four, four, Just a classic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who would you start out of the the four name people that we just went through? So it was Amir uh, Samedo, um Burstow, who's the Chelsea Loney, um Russian, who's the Ukrainian striker, and uh, Mayenda, who joined from Lorient, or was he PSG? No, he was Lorient. He was Lorient. Um. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, welcome back. I think Amir probably and. I don't think I've seen the other three play. The fact that you've just said that and Burstow has started the last three games and played 75-plus minutes in all three of them is quite, right. is quite shocking. Right, so <laughs> not... <laughs> Clearly not remember Olsen, probably not him. Um... No, that was Bur Burstow was getting the 75 minutes, not, not Rusian. Um... I don't know. Maybe possibly worse, Joe then. Yeah. Oh the uh thank you, Acacia. The full time result in the Birmingham game is three one. So that does mean we created that it's little little bit gap without even playing. Nice. Uh Jacob. Well I can sit there you go, your icons have come off mute now. If you if you were to use two strikers out of our four available in that four 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 two formation that uh, David's just uh, recommended, who would you who would you start out of the uh, name strikers? Um, probably I do Hamia, mm -hmm. and I might I may it's hard I'm choosing between Russian and Bursto. I know Bursto's not scored yet, but maybe give him a bit longer and then. I'd probably maybe first up, but I could and I could but I could do Russian on a left or right wing, couldn't I? Because he's a isn't he a winger as well as a striker. Like he can play striker, but he can also do a um 
a winger job. So if he does a winger yeah. job, he's got to take out Clark, Roberts, or Barr out of the squad. That's the problem. Yeah. It's that, or you could rotate it every week, couldn't you? Like change it up. Like you could one week you could do Hamia and mm -hmm. that Mason, and then other week you could do Hamia and Russian. You know, mm -hmm. so I'd probably do a bit of that. Really, give them all game time. Do it fairly. Bit of rotation at the top with the strikers. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Probably Mason and Hamia. Mason and Hamia. So for for me, I think it's. Um, it's a good, it's a good problem to have more than more than no options up front that we had for the vast majority of last season, which is why we've become so comfortable with midfielders scoring our goals for us. Um, Dean has uh, correctly popped in the team, and Burstow has played well over those three games, but he hasn't. He's got a penalty. He's assisted, and um, he just hasn't put the ball in the back of the net himself, which is ex what you'd expect. Mia had a really good preseason, and after the first game, his head seemed to drop a little bit. Um, and Acacia adds, um, Hamia isn't going to get much game time. I can't see it happening as he's still getting used to Sunland as his new home. I don't really, I don't really know about that because I think with as soon as you get the first goal, as soon as you're the the Sunland striker who get who breaks that duck, one of them will end up scoring. Um, I think there's no <laughs> no, no real. Um, doubt about it. It's just when and whoever does that first goal out of the four of them, pretty much uh, is then the top dog of the four. They are the one that needs to be beaten. They're the one that the rest of the Sunderland fans are going to be comparing against. Uh, Russian can break into the box just like Clark or um, Burstow holds up the ball like Bellingham and provides options. Like we'll see as soon as that first goal comes in. But if you're asking me who. I pick today at the top two and both of them starting it would be Roosian and Burstow with Hamia coming on in like the 70th minute to uh, replace Burstow I'd like to see Roosian start I know he doesn't speak great English but if he starts I think he scores uh, and there you go um, Akish also adds Mason and Roosian will definitely get more game time when Roosian does try to get used to his new home in Sunderland so with with the modern game I know there's a little a little bit of homesickness involved with with some some players. The language barrier doesn't help with the likes of Rusin or Hamia or Meander for for that regard, but it does help that other players in the club speak their native language and and they've got that little bit of um cushion into it. You think language is a barrier? Whoever wants to chip in on that. I think, I think language it... is the barrier for most clubs. What in the modern game? Um, well, I mean, football is such a like a massive thing across the world. You got teams with like I was going to take Liverpool for example because Liverpool squad, yeah. Like for instance, we've got Nunes who can barely speak English. He, I know he's trying to learn it, but it's just like. There's always going to be some kind of language barrier between teammates because you're going to get people who speak English, you're going to get people who speak Spanish, you're going to get people who speak French, German, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's you're always going to have that kind of barrier between people, um, <laughs> which can cause issues, but that's why people like train, right? Yeah. They train together, they get to learn how each other yeah. play. I think they're all at a, at a level where you'd expect that level of professionalism regardless of language, which is why I think Rusin will do well regardless because it's, it's it's one of those things where you, you've got to expect him to perform based on his uh, CV, essentially. Is that fo is yeah, football like CV? Realistically, he's a footballer. Mm -hmm. you ex you, you're going to expect him to be playing football, not speaking too much you know so um what's the basic communication yeah most communication is pr pretty important i would say it's not like if you can't speak a lot of english it's not the worst thing in the world but i, th I think you as long as you it's like dog speak really isn't it it's like a couple of words yeah. pass mark defend push like that it's, it's literally one word and then like a finger point to, to cover yeah. a lot of those issues so 
if you if you learn the word pass in Ukrainian or Portuguese or French or whatever, it's it's pretty pretty simple and easy to understand. Like pass and then point to the person you want to pass it to. Like it's not rocket science. So um communication of like nuance of tactics with the the halftime team talk that i think is where it gets lost because you've got Morbury giving the team talk to everybody but if he needs to kick people up the arse then you've got translators doing it as well and that's the kind of communication i think does change games jacob what do you think yeah, i agree yeah i agree with what you and dav say um i think so long as they know words such as yeah pass all that then mm-hmm. it's good. but also if they want to outside of football i guess if they want to get to know the players more they might have to learn a bit more, more words though but i think they do have of course translators at the clubs who will help them improve and get better mm-hmm. but main thing is if they play for the club and play for the badge and are not just there for the money i think that's the main thing and if they're good at the job yeah, I think we've we've kicked that out of our culture now. To be honest, we're there. We're a club that people are there to develop at and to to improve their career. Brad, you all right? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that mute button. Um, what were you saying? Sorry, Anth. We talk, we're talking about the language barrier. I could see you on the phone. So. Language barriers. Yeah. Yeah, I was just was just messaging somebody. Still apologise. Um, but language barriers, yeah, language barriers are good in football clubs because that other player can actually help that player communicate. If you know what I mean. Um, so it's like so, a secret language, secret kind of code on the pitch. Is that what you're getting mm-hmm, at? Like so, apparently. Russian apparently someone can talk the same language as him, I think, uh, in a West London camp. I think in the academy, yeah. Remember rightly it's Timo Turbatov. Remember rightly. Um yeah, he t- can speak Ukrainian as well. Yeah. So, well to be fair, we've kinda of got a French outfit as well. Robin Hood, welcome along. Um the I think we've got pretty much a, a like a fully fluent French starting, not a starting eleven, but like a starting like pack in the middle of the of the pitch. You've got Abdullah Bar, uh, you might have Mayender at some point. You've got Oshish, uh, you have um, Lise when he's back. Yeah, you've we've got we've got French players galore at the minute and uh, Equar as well. Yeah, sorry, I forget he's French because his English is that good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I do think it does benefit some teams, and yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's part of the modern game. We've got to just get used to it, and it doesn't really impact Sunderland all that much. I think everybody that's in the Sunderland shirt wants to play for the Sunderland shirt now, which is really nice change to our um our last decade, shall we say? Um, but yeah, uh, we have had a question from Cabby. Um, I want you all off mute at the same time for this for this question, just so you you you're aware and ready to react. If that's okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Will you take yeah. a point tomorrow? Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, so uh, we'll move on to the Middlesbrough game now. Uh, we have the Smoggies, who all of a sudden have found form. They've climbed from. Basically the same form as Sheffield Wednesday up into 17th in this league. Um, three wins, um, four wins if you count the cup game in a row. Um, a complete culture change in the last two weeks of their game. Um, are you, what? what's your thoughts on the game? The upcoming game, sorry. It's going to be tight, isn't it? Because it's a northeast. what was it we say now? Derby. Would you say? Oh, the like, the derby versus rivalry conversation. It is a derby. It is a hundred percent a derby, but it's not a rivalry. That's the way I'll phrase it. Derbies and rivalries are two different things. It's a northeast derby. Close, we're in close proximity, but we really don't care long term um, about the uh, the battles between Sunderland and Middlesbrough. It's all about the uh, the dirty team, slightly like two miles further north and seven miles mm. inland from us. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think Middlesbrough will be up for it and starting to pick up slowly, starting to pick up some points. So 
Mm-hmm. No, a game's easy, is it? But especially tomorrow, it's because you know northeast, two northeast clubs. Mm-hmm. Borough will be up for it, but I'd be more nervous if it was at the Riverside, though. If I'm being honest, but I think yeah, I think we'll just, I think we will beat them tomorrow. I'm more say I'm more relaxed than it's at the stadium, like than it would be if it were at Riverside. Yeah, yeah, I'd, it will win. Two-one. Two-one. Okay. So Ted's popped in with his uh, classic 6-0 Sunderland. I'm, <laughs> I'd love to see a 6-0 Sunderland against any team, never mind just Borough. Um, they would find their form leading up to our matchup. There's Robin. Um, what are your thoughts, Brad, going into the game? You're off mute already. Yeah. <laughs> just just composing um, your thoughts into a good sentence. Yeah, I'm just composing my thoughts. Just thinking. Okay. Oh, what up against Moggies, who's had like three, I think they've had three wins on the bounce now, haven't they? Middlesbrough. Um, so it's going to be a tough one, Um, obviously tomorrow. Um, But what, I don't know if Yorkshire said it or David said it, but I'd be more... Bloody few nervous if it wasn't um their stage but to um Riverside I'll be both nervous today because mm-hmm. um Middlesbrough's got a whole good home form recent um in the past couple of times against us as well. Obviously when it was one nil and I think it was three nil the last times and two one to them. So they've had a couple of good results against us down at Riverside, but mm-hmm. not about stage of the light more than Riverside because obviously they're facing us at our stadium first, so I'm yeah. pretty confident that we can go in and win this, to be honest. Um, with our squad, what we've got fit. Um, obviously, Alex Pritchard, um, he won't be starting this game, apparently, according to Tony Mowbray, apparently he's not going to risk him. Um, yeah. Oshish, apparently, he has to wait for his start, apparently, um, but he will get it, Tony Mowbray said. Um, Mason Burstow will be probably looking to start up front again tomorrow, apparently. Um, even though I want a Russian to start, but who knows what will happen. That could change. But um, my score prediction tomorrow is going to be 2-1 to the Black Cats. Okay. I'd still like to see us, see us win. Um, I Some good points there. And I think it's kind of backed up a little bit by um, what the Croissant says in the chat and what Acacia is saying as well. So uh, Croissant says they might open up a bit as it's a derby and they're on form, so we might be able to play our best game against them, which I I'm I'm pretty much on board with, and um, to the same regard, but completely polar opposite. It's a tough a tough match against Middlesbrough, anyway, because um, Sam Greenwood is playing against against them. So yeah, Cabby being the ever optimist has said Sunderland nil Middlesbrough two. Dean is saying 2-1 to Sunderland and the Croissant is saying 4-1 to Sunderland. As the the resident uh, neutral, David, what's your thoughts going into the game? Who's who's likely to pick up all three points or is it... Yeah, what's your thoughts? You're going to slap them. <laughs> yeah, okay. What makes you say that? I just think you're playing as a team really well. Um... I think if you're not new strikers, but your strikers that you have currently, who are, I mean, you've you've finally got strikers. Um, I reckon if they keep doing what they're doing, keep training with the lads, mm-hmm. I reckon you're gonna gonna be pretty good. So yeah, I mean, we already saw. Potential from your team, um, just from watching the games. Uh, you've been playing pretty decently. Your defence has gone a lot better since last season. Uh, your attacking has been decent. Set pieces have been eh, questionable. We've scored directly from said, one. Yeah, that being said, you did you did score a set piece, which is good. <laughs> possible. It is um, possible. I reckon it's going to be a good game for, for Sunderland. I, I'm agreeing with you on that one. Um, we'll talk... Kish has brought up another point because I'm going to just completely like wipe that perception of, of the word Derby because it's, it's it's starting to bug me now across across the internet. It is a Derby. It is 100% a Derby. It's just not a rivalry. Anyways, 
Um, Grim, welcome along. Um, is he a boring supporter? Me? Me? No, hopefully not. I do goofy things all the time. Support my, support my club. Um, my perceptions of the Borough, Sunland, the Sunland Borough game, um, I, I'm more leaning towards a open, confident game. I was watching a couple of their, their wins, their highlights. They are very vulnerable because they open themselves up to a good counter. And when they are on the counter, they are very easy to counter against. The prime game of that was the Watford game. Like, they were long ball through the middle and cutting past the defence. I don't think they'll be able to do that against Ballard or or 9 It's just no nonsense. We'll, we'll, we'll keep our head switched on to the game. We might have a lapse in judgment at some point in the game because... We're not perfect. We're not nowhere near like the ultimate team right now, but we're still going to stop 99% of all of the through balls that are coming from them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think Sunderland are, even though we've not won three on the bounce, we've still, we're still a lot higher up on the table and essentially answering Robin Hood's question here, do you think this is a legit, legit turnaround for Berra where they started or will they start seriously pushing up, up the table now? And the answer to that is yes, but we are one of the teams in this league that every team is going to be quite concerned and set themselves up slightly different against. So I, I dare say Sunderland are better than Berra right now, at least on paper and uh, in reality as well, it's a better team to support. But we we should be beating them. There's there's no two ways about it. We have uh, we have our momentum. We have class. We have ability. We have people like Fuggins, um, who um, can flip on a switch. Um, when Equas fit, when we've got a full match selection as well, I I can't see this current Berra squad contesting anywhere close to to Sunderland. And now I've said that I've probably jinxed it and they'll beat us one nil like like Cardiff did, but. Yeah, it's got to take a, a, an absolute horrific show and a nightmare from from Sunderland to us, for us to drop drop three points in this game. Uh, yeah, uh, croissant. Yeah, croissant says we we play best against teams that play football. To be honest, so every t- every team, uh, the way we've played this season, I'm becoming quietly confident in the P word. Oh. Uh, somebody, what are you streaming? The odds for for tomorrow's game. Oh, okay. Let me have a let me have a look at that. Just, okay. just There we go. <laughs> so the oh, we have we all gone through predictions. I know uh, Jacob said his prediction for the game. Want to see your predictions for the game, David? Uh, I can't remember what I said. Did I say 2 0? You did say 2 0. That's what I've got okay. written down, anyways. And Brad? I, then I said 2 0. Cool. I said 2 1. And I think I said 2 0 as well. I think that's, I think it's like, a, not quietly confident. It's a confident time for Sunderland. Why not while we're, while we're on form? So, what does this say to me? Because I have no idea what I'm reading here. It just says 13 10. Forty-seven twenty-five. What on earth does that mean? What is it? So it's got all. John Hill's going to win the game. So Sunderland's thirteen. So Sunderland's thirteen to ten to win the game, or which is basically, I think it's nearly two to one to win. As everyone goes over to win. They're the same odds, just very, very slightly different. They're both about half. Just very, very slightly different. Yeah, slightly. Okay. Yeah, really close. Okay. We're missing so, a 3 1 win. I, yeah. I think I think if you're looking at more than. Is that sofa score? I think if you're looking at actual bookies' odds, I think Sunderland are odds on favourite to win it um, as well. Yeah, they are, yeah. But uh, I've got, I do have another question I want to uh, to add into this. Um, and it does kind of tie into the last game against Watford, but it also it's kind of across the league as well. The refereeing decisions um, in that game with the fouls. 
for me is quite concerning. I don't think they have player safety in mind anymore. They're just they're allowing players to like push people in the back onto billboards. They're allowing to kick them from behind, not not punish them. It's it's just it's just becoming more and more dangerous. I've, I've, do you know what? I want to go to David because he's he's obviously <laughs> quite uh, livid with the Premier League quality of uh, refereeing doing oh, the same thing. Do you think it's a consistency? Oh, yeah. Do you think it's just consistently poor refereeing across the uh, the board, me, or is it just this? I kind of already went into depth for this. Uh, I think with you in a private call. Yes, you did. I think the PGMOL should be scrapped. The entire of the current Premier League referees should be fired, and we should be getting in European non-biased referees to come into the Premier League and ref all of our games. Okay. Did you, do you know what I do like about it, though? About the PGMOL? The mic'd up. Mm. I, the, in, this, in the championship and the lower leagues, there's no... That, that error that happened with the Liverpool game the other day would never have been picked up. They could have made any excuse they wanted after the game. Eh, it wasn't. It didn't I mean, it's it like nothing's happened about it, by the way. Yeah, but at least you know the conversation wasn't... Like, yeah, it was just nothing, somebody, somebody, some, some of it, just somebody being really bad at their job. Whereas he should never ref a game, a game again. Oh, he'll drop down to it, dropped down to the championship without a doubt. Mm. He'll drop, he'll drop out the Premier League. Happens in general to referees if they're doing shit, they'll get demoted, won't they? But it's usually a one off. I think if you get demoted, you should be there. Forever, like that's the league you should be refereeing. You get what I mean? Not it really. Be... What about promotion and relegation? You drop. You can't just constantly get promoted in in refereeing terms. You have to get relegated if you do bad, and vice versa. It's I don't know. Do they get paid more? Do the Premier League referees get paid more, David? I wouldn't know. I I don't think so. Let me have a look. Hang on. Why would why would you want to go under that level of scrutiny to then um, switch it up? Uh, just you'd, you'd assume top flight, more pressure. It's a slightly easier job on paper as well, right? In the uh, so Premier League refs' salary ranges from seventy thousand to two hundred thousand a year, but they also get a bonus of one thousand five hundred per match. Um, I know, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm, I'm registering myself as a referee. <laughs> Jesus, that is good money. Uh, I'll fuck one half hour now, mate. All right. All right, no worries, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. Catch you in a bit. Catch you soon. Catch you. No worries. Catch you in a bit. See you later, Yorkshire. See you, guys, David. Bye. Did yeah. you? What about David? How much do you think they get paid? So, Championship, League One, League Two. Oh, probably not even half for that. I think Championship will get paid a decent amount, but it, League One and League Two, Jesus, they won't get paid a mu- too much, will they? Yeah. Uh, Graham says nobody's interested in the Liverpool thing anymore. Everybody gets ripped. It's in. It's just part of football. It, it's different. It was so different. World Cup when my goal got disallowed against Germany. It's a shit moment, but can't change it, can you? Yeah, it does keep happening, but it's so easy to fix. All it takes is so all it take all it should take is somebody else going, Look, you made a mistake here, check it again. <laughs> like if they're not willing to compromise and, and like correct their problems and their mistakes, then Oh yeah. So Champions just... Championship refs get about thirty five to forty five K a year with six hundred per match. So literally almost Half of what Premier League does. So it is a it is a demotion basically with that. Yeah, massive demotion. But like players' wages, Championship players get paid a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I think well, it depends on which Championship club you're going at. But yeah, I I think money in football is is massively impacting and changing the game. You've just got to literally look at the league table. From the parachute payment clubs to the ones that aren't, and you can literally see that massive disparity. It's not just down to players; it's down to player wages as well. You can draw a very, very parallel graph. 
of wages versus position. Yeah, it's not a tin pot league though, is it? Championship. It is a big division. Yeah, and it's better. It's better away days than when we were in League One, isn't it? It's better than Fleetwood away, isn't it? You know, like we'd prefer to go to Birmingham City away and that than Burton Albion away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Croissant, croissant really does bring up a nice, a nice, um, nice thing to add on to here. By the way, in other games, in other sports, rug, uh, like rugby, you've got referees that are just respected. Their decision is final, and the players are like ten times bigger and stronger than them, and could quite easily like cause a lot of physical damage to them. But they respect the referee's decision because the referees are mic'd up. And all of the VAR decisions are put on the screen. They're put on the big screens in the stadium. They're shown to the fans, so the fans know what they're seeing. Like the the fans at the game. Like I think on TV it's a bit different. We can like we can see the replays with the with the editors and stuff like that. So we can cause a little bit of like rumble and tumble <laughs> upset from home, but that doesn't really impact like the fans getting on the back of the referee for making a horrible mistake. Um maybe it's a little bit of that. So yeah. My refs mic'd up, I think, is the easiest thing to possibly do. It's just give them all a phone and start recording the call. It's not it's not that difficult and, and apparent. Just get a Bluetooth. Just get an iPod. What are them called? Them bloody Bluetooth earphone things? Record a record a Teams call. Done. It's not even expensive to implement. But yeah. Anyways, um, Interesting. There is another question here. Um, well, not a question, uh, just a, a statement from Graham here. It says, my God, the international break does bust my nut in. So, Well, no yeah. one cares. England is shit. I mean, I, I even... I, no, it's not It's not about England, England's performance, Scotland's performance. It's literally a breakup in the league. Uh, if you've got mm. good momentum going into that break, i.e. if Sunderland beat Borough, that's what... Um, we climb into the top three, maybe, depending on the Ipswich uh, Preston result. We could we could literally be a lot better off looking looking like we're flying and then like just step off the pedal because some of our players who went to the national clubs got injured and then there's our entire our entire momentum just wiped out. I genuinely think international football should only be played in off seasons, but then every season across the globe has to be tied into each other and like was it the MLS starts in February? Mm. Yeah. It's different in it with America. I think yeah. It's definitely different with America mate, but it's it's just it's such a it's just, just such a weird modern modern way of playing football. Why does the entire EFL system need to break for two weeks just so a national team can play? Two players out of a squad does not completely bust the squad. Maybe if you're Premier League, there's like 12 players going out of your 18-player squad, then yeah, fair enough. But for us, it's what? Um, Huggins, Ballard, Jewison Bennett. I think that's it. That is my uh, alarm saying it's half ten. Should be going to bed now. Um, I think in, in from Northern Ireland. I think he's played for Northern Ireland. Who? Sorry, time. Trey Hume. Trey Hume as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think there's a few other Northern Irish players in our squad that have gone to Northern Ireland for international breaks. So, mm-hmm. you know, as well as Bennett and uh, we've got them as well. Yeah. So yeah, I was. I said Hume. Ballard and Jewison Bennett. So um Huggins could be in that. But yeah, I don't think it's gonna <clears throat> I don't think it's gonna completely wipe out the strength in our squad if we allow four out of our twenty eight players to go on international break. And yeah, you're gonna have that less and less the further down the uh, pyramid you go. So international breaks for me just don't work. Um Yeah. <laughs> Calm controversial or, or whatever, but I think international breaks should be a bit more flexible. And if clubs want to play each other, they should be able to use that international break weekend as to to use it as a catch up. What do you think of that, David? 
Say again. <laughs> the international break, if clubs want to, should be able to play in it. Um. Uh... You know, they, when, do you know when the yes, likes of FA but, Cup FA Cup games like add an extra game into the season? Why can't you use the yeah, international breaks to like catch the, up? The, the issue is some teams have more players go to international than others, so it's kind of like, is it fair on teams to have to use reserve teams against other teams that like haven't no, got no, as many players going? Yeah, but what I'm saying is like, let's let's say Plymouth want to play Blackburn Rovers. Where they have very, very few international players, they're not allowed to play at the minute because it's an international break. Um, it just, it just feels like you know you're not allowed to study during the school holidays. That's that's the kind of vibe I get from it. Personally, I think international football is just a bloody joke. Anyway, um, I know quite a lot of footballers these like I know a lot of Premier League footballers these days just don't bother like they just opt out of it because it's like well if we've got a enjoy if we're taking a two week break I'm going to be spending it at my club training with them I'm not going to go risk an injury that's going to put me up for the rest of the season um okay yeah um. I mean, if there were two teams that were going to play and neither of them would, like, have massive losses to it, then, yeah, I didn't see the harm in them doing the game. There would just be a game ahead of everyone, but just... I, don't really see any, I don't really see a problem with it. Yeah, like, they could, they could... Do you know when they've got that condensed weeks where it's week, like, Monday, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday Friday? Just, yeah, they could just spread it out over the year at a, at a pace that suits them. But, yeah, that's... That's that's not a problem for us to worry about, I guess. It's just a just a thought that we've had. Um have you seen who Southgate's picked? No. And to be honest, if it's nobody in Sunderland, I generally don't care. It's probably gonna be the same people week in, week out, isn't it? I've seen the squad. Um Is it is it Calvin Phillips again who is who's not played for Man City, Trippier, um Maguire, Kane, Maguire um what's the Rams Ramsdale from Arsenal. I think it's just going to be the same same players. He's got his favourites now. I've got it up actually. I've jumped to explain the whole squad, like who he's got. Yeah, go for it. Like for me, the the England national team. I want them to succeed because it's the country I'm from. But I don't. Yeah. I don't think we have that kind of like expectation on our club to. I don't. I think quite a lot of English fans just don't give a shit about internationals. Uh, during yeah, the World Cup, yeah. I do. During the Euros, I do. But the qualifiers, friendlies, nah, I'm bored. Um, so, yeah, we've got Pickford, uh, Sam Johnstone, these are goalkeepers, Aaron Ramsdale. But at the back, we've got Lewis Dung, uh, Louis Corwell, Harry Maguire, John Stones, Mark Guhi, Mikiayo. Guhi from Everton. Yeah, Kieran Trippier, Walker, Trent Alexander Arnold, Jude Bellingham. Connor Gallagher, Henderson, Rice, Calvin Phillips. Then up front, we've got Foden, Bowen, Grealish, Kane, Madison, Eddie, Nicotia, Rashford, yeah. Ollie Watkins. There is there, there, yeah. there is some in there Southgate's favourites, like Maguire, for example. Uh, yeah. You know. Some of them have, have, have passed their, their prime as well in their club. Which is, yeah. And- well, then he's he's getting on now, Henderson. Henderson doesn't even play in England anymore. No, I don't. I don't I, Ima- imagine if he Sunderland in January, ends his career at Sunderland in January. Just come to Sunderland in January transfer. Why would he do that? He's getting played millions in the um in the Arab leagues. Doesn't yeah, mean... but Saudi Arabia is a shithole. I don't know why he'd want to live there. Money, mate. He's getting paid like. Two hundred million for a year of football. <laughs> it's like he's earned less. He's he's earned more in this one year in that in that football league than he has like the last decade at I'm Liverpool. Gonna, I'm gonna. He's on seven hundred thousand a week. <laughs> I wonder why he wants to play the crap. League. I wonder because why he went to Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's not even expected to perform, you know. Um. Yeah. 
making edits ready for tomorrow. However, lads, uh, we are we are approaching about the hour mark, and I think we should uh, we should wrap it up soon. Uh, do you have any final questions or thoughts that you think um, would be good to pick up before the watch along tomorrow? Because it is an early start for us. I want to make sure I'm well rested and energetic for it. So, do you have any questions? Points. No, Jack Clark's gonna score a banger. Jack Clark Ooh. from a free kick. Nah, but if he scores, oh. I bet he's gonna try and dribble past like nineteen, three, plays. four defenders, and on like the fifth try, he's gonna get it in the net. It's gonna be a pitch invasion of Borough fans, and he's dribbling past every single one of them who's trying to slide tackle yeah. him, and he still gets no, it in the back of the net. <laughs> That'd be class. Um, we will get promoted. Tomorrow is a sellout, which actually surprised me because we're on telly and it's an early kickoff. I know it's just, a sellout is what we uh, roughly expect them with our current run of form. Tabby, what but... time is the kickoff? Twelve thirty. Twelve thirty kickoff. No, so... I won't be able to watch. You got D and D. that's sad. It is. I'll watch it on my second monitor. So. Uh, Graham says Hendo was escorted from the training ground in Liverpool when he uh, when he got the offer from yeah <laughs> the other the leagues. Um, but we don't want to talk about promotion yet. No, we don't, Graham, because it will jinx us. We're only ten games into the season, which is just shy of twenty five percent of the way through the season. So don't get don't get too carried away. But it is good positive signs. For so I'm going to end it there. Thank you very much for tuning in, for listening, for chatting in the live stream as well. I'll catch you tomorrow morning for the watch along. And uh, yeah, well, lads, thank you very much. Goodbye, everyone. We have dominated every game. Got unlucky a couple of times. 